Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Thank you for the download. If you would like to hear or suggest a topic, please DM me at Two Inches Off the Ground or email me at freespiritpodcasts at gmail.com. I would love to hear your topics and your suggestions and your opinions. So please think about emailing me or DMing me because I am in service to you, the listeners. And check out my metaphysical products at freespiritpodcast.com to support this podcast. All hail the queen. She is back. She's here. You are here. I am here <laughs> in the flesh. And since Jennifer is the only one who ever calls me the queen, I love doing these broadcasts. Yay. Well, it's funny because we just had to hit record again because I didn't record the first time. <laughs> Don't worry, people. We only got about a minute and a half in, I said. And we've been having a Mercury in rec retrograde week, I would yes. say. Not day, week. Yes. There's just been a lot going on. In fact, I ordered Indian food. We ate at the Indian restaurant. <laughs> this happened, what, half an hour ago? And I yeah. ordered Indian food to go <clears throat> for my husband and forgot the food. Left it there. I paid for it. <laughs> I left it there. So, you know, that's what's going on today. Saskia is here discussing today's topic, authenticity and keeping the peace. In her daily life, Saskia is a highly sought after public speaking coach. Her incredible book, which thoroughly discusses authenticity and the law of attraction, is called More Than Words Can Say, The Making of Inspired Speakers. It can be purchased easily on her website, thekeynotecoach.com. All of Saskia's information will be in the show notes. Best-selling spiritual author and co-founder of the Omega Institute, Elizabeth Lesser, calls Saskia's book utterly fantastic, which it is, and you cannot get higher praise than that, right? You cannot. You really can't. Welcome, Saskia. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we are definitely recording. I keep keep looking. Oh my gosh. So today's conversation arose organically, right? Yep. And we're known for having these four hour, (laughs) literally, these four hour long phone conversations. And this one really rose and I said, stop talking, save it for the, what do I tell you all the time? Yeah, you always say, save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> I, I guess our conversations are the trial run, and then we know, oh, let's talk about this again. Exactly, exactly. So we talked about mm. that we can be the most spiritual people, and I know the listeners are so spiritual as well, so metaphysical, but we can also struggle with the people close to us. It can be your spouse, your children, parents, siblings, close friends, etc. So, you know, we can say, oh, we can give the advice, right? We can dole out the advice and say, be empathetic and the whole thing, but it's hard. It's hard. And it's hard, I think, Saskia, too, if you have 43 years of, you know, knowing the person and being with the person, have a history with the person, that also comes into play. Yeah. It comes into play. I struggle with a couple people close to me, and I want to say that these people I'm keeping in my life. You know, it's not people that at the end of this episode, we're going to be like, okay, and here's how to get all the energy vampires out of your life. Yeah. That's not this episode. Right. We're keeping these people in our lives. There was one of these people, I had texted her about, oh, it's funny. It was just an innocuous text about how things were getting much better for businesses in town. Because I had gone into town and I thought oh, wow, this is getting so much better because of COVID and it's so nice to see the restaurants thriving. And I texted her about that. 
And the text I get back is uh, just negative about, well, you know, I'm not happy because people are on unemployment and they shouldn't be. And, you know, I'm tired of the government, my tax dollars paying for it. When I swear, Saskia, it was an innocuous text. Yeah. It was just saying something positive, And this person took it to a negative level. And that's what happens. It's like a Rorschach test. You uh, see in it what you project onto it, not what is in the test itself. Yeah, the inkblot test. The inkblot. Right. Yeah, the inkblot, exactly. So I was just kind of looking at my phone going, where did we go from A to Z? <laughs> <laughs> so just a warning here that we have dogs. I just edited out a bunch of, you know, I'm going to have to because we have dogs here today and my husband's not here to control them. So there may be some barking and I do apologize about that. So I'm um, going back to the text, right? You said it's just like the inkblot test. Yeah, people will react because of what's going on inside of them, not yeah. to the external inkblot or picture or text message or whatever. Yeah. They're just pouring out what's making them angry or They're projecting. They're projecting. They're projecting, yeah. But what happens when we want to stay authentic to ourselves and keep our vibrations raised? Do we, Saskia, just go along to keep the peace? Is that being authentic? Is that being true to ourselves? Now, you told me an amazing story that I just, I love. It's so metaphysical, and I'm going to have you share it with us right now. And this, I think, will help start to explain things. So this happened a number of years ago when my mother was still alive. She died seven years ago, and she lived to almost 101. Wow. Yeah. But at the time, she was trying to control me. I was probably in my 40s. But she was trying to control me in ways that I did not want to be controlled. So there was a, a lot of tension between us. What? That never happens between parents and children. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so I was a living example of that phenomenon. And I was dealing with it to the best of my ability, but really not all that well. And one day, I was on a bus on 6th Avenue in Manhattan, <clears throat> near the Jewelry Center, which is 47th Street. And a lot of people from 47th Street, it was at that stop, were getting on the bus, and a very short little man who looked somewhat like a leprechaun got on the bus. He was sort of older, not very well-kempt. The collar of his shirt was curling. His suit looked like he had slept in it. He was not an appealing person. And of course, he sat down right next to me. Yeah. So I was, you know, I made room for him and I was looking straight ahead, hoping he wasn't going to start talking. I had a feeling he was going to be a talker. And I was tired, I had put in a long day, I did not want to talk. Which of course meant that he started talking almost immediately and he was asking me all kinds of questions about did I have children, was I married, blah, blah, blah. And he asked something about my mother or my parents. And I told him that my mother was alive and he said, he was sort of like an analyst, but I hadn't gone to an analyst to discuss anything yeah. private. But he was acting like an analyst. And he said, so how was your relationship with your mother? And as much as I didn't want to keep talking to him, I didn't want to be rude. So I answered his question. And I said, 
it has its problems. She's, she's still trying to run my life, you know, at this late stage. He looked at me and he said, tell her you're going to do what she wants and then go and do exactly what you want. Humor her and then go and live your life. I love that. And the thing about him was that that advice really honestly never occurred to me. I felt I had to be straight with her, and if I wasn't going to adhere to her dictates or follow her advice, I would fight with her or argue or explain why not. And I felt, above all, speak the truth to her. And he opened up the path for me to humor her and be fine with it because she'd never know if I was going to do what she wanted anyway. So it was a sort of revelation. But I didn't know what type of person this was until recently, a year ago or so, you and I were talking about this incident. But you forgot one big detail about him. Well... Are you going to say it? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're the one who pointed out. And I, at the end of our, my conversation with Jennifer, I said to her, the most amazing thing about this man is that he had the most sparkling blue eyes I have ever seen. They were like two little jewels mm -hmm. in his face. Mm -hmm. Then it was Jennifer who said to me, you had met your spirit guide. Yeah. And I didn't know that spirit guides have those sparkling, twinkling blue eyes that were so amazing. And she said, yep, you had an encounter with a spirit guide. hundred percent, because that's what you hear a lot. You hear a lot about colors when you meet a spirit guide. That's what I've heard. I've never seen it, but I've oh. heard there's, there's colors, and usually it's in the eyes. And I've heard that with angels, but I hear more about angels in, how would you say, orbs of color? So you don't see a human form. Oh, okay. So I think it's more spirit guide because you hear a lot of these just majestic blue eyes that you probably can't describe. They're they, not human. They're not, they're not of this world. They're not of this world. Oh, yeah. they, they're really indescribable, and they twinkle the way a diamond under a light in a jewelry store would twinkle mm -hmm. at you. They just had a spark. It was many years later when you and I talk, were talking about this that I realized that was a message that was sent to me from another realm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I, I love this. Okay. No, I don't love, <laughs> I don't love the idea of saying humor someone, but I get where they're coming from. And you have a second story that I love yeah. to follow up on this. And this becomes metaphysical as well. Yeah. So do you want to tell the second story? So when my mother was much older, she wasn't moving around very much and her mind was going in and out. She didn't have Alzheimer's, but she would sometimes be present and sometimes not quite. And one day when I was visiting, her caregiver, who was a miracle of her own, this caregiver was really some sort of angel, wow. but very much human. Her caregiver was in the room when my mother asked when her mother, my mother's mother, was going to come home. Now my mother at this point was probably 95. She had at that point regressed into a childhood scenario and wow. wanted to know when her mother was coming home. So I started to explain to her that her mother had long been gone and that there was no mother any longer and the caregiver simply walked into the room and she said, oh she'll be home in a couple of hours, in the meantime let's have dinner. 
So she played along mm-hmm. because she knew you couldn't reason with my mother or bring her back into current reality. You had to just go along with wherever she was, and then she would come back on her own. So she was literally humoring her. Yep. And I was trying to speak the truth with yeah, a capital you're to, T. You're trying to be authentic and, and speak the truth. Yeah. And we never discussed this, so I can edit this out. Did your mother lose her mother, your grandmother, in the war? Yes. And how old was she when she lost? My mother came to the States when my mother was 25. Okay. And it was a year before the war had started. Okay. I think her parents were killed during the war early on, and she knew this, and she mourned them the rest of her life. And we're talking World War II, just so we know. Yeah. 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 My mother was born in 1913, and so she escaped Poland just yeah. before the war, and then her whole family was killed. Wow. So she really never stopped mourning them, but when she was asking where her mother was and when she's coming home at the age of 95, I thought, well, I have to bring her back into reality. Yeah. And that was not the kind thing to do, nor was it successful. But it was our, it's our instinct. Yes. It really is. And even someone like you who's highly spiritual, done all that you were just talking about, your very lovely friends who passed away, who played, what is that instrument? The didgeridoo. The didgeridoo, yeah. Who played that. And yeah. I mean, Saskia's had some of the most spiritual experiences on this earth as the most spiritual person ever. And still, it was your instinct because you are human to say, no, mom, let's get back to reality. Well, the thing is, I was speaking truth. And to me, yes. truth holds a very, very high yes. value. Yeah. But truth isn't always the best place to go. Or the kindest place. Or the kindest. Yeah. And this reminds me of yet another thing. I mean, we, we just could, could go yeah. on like this for hours. Well, the most, maybe we could just say the most compassionate place to go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Truth isn't always the most compassionate place to go. And I recalled another incident uh, several years ago at the Kripalu Institute, which is a, basically a yoga adult learning center. Mm-hmm. And I was on the second floor of the building where the administrative offices are. And on the door of one of the offices, there was a big sign that said, before you enter and want to tell me something, ask yourself, number one, is it true? Number two, is it necessary? Three, is it kind? Wow. Can you say those three again? That's so important. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Love. And that made me stop and stare at that sign for a good minute and a half to take it in. I I have since looked it up. I believe it's a quote from a yoga uh, mystic teacher called Sri Baba, but I'm not positive about that. But it just struck me as being so important because I generally stopped at, is it true? Well, if it's true, it bears saying. But then I realized it may not be necessary, even if it's true. Mm -hmm. And it certainly may not be kind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's more important to be kind than truthful. Mm 
So all of that came together for me when you asked about being authentic and speaking the truth as opposed to keeping the peace with a family member or somebody right. you love and where you don't see eye to eye. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually more important to keep the peace. Yeah, I, and I, I love those stories. So thank you for sharing them with us because You're I welcome. think those are so telling of what we're trying to say today and what yeah. we try to practice. Yeah. I was on Clubhouse last week and this question was raised basically about when you're dealing with, let's say, parents or siblings or whoever who trigger you, you know, this idea of staying authentic versus keeping the peace. And one woman came on, she gave this really long diatribe and it sounded great. It did. It really did. But in the moment when you have a, like, let's say with your mom, a 40 year history at that point, it's not as easy as you think. This whole episode, we can say, be authentic and be compassionate and be empathetic. And, you know, we can give all that advice. But at the end of the day, we're human. Easily said. Easily Easily said. said. Not so easily done. Not so easily done. And the one woman on Clubhouse also said to be aware that a certain generation is not open to open-minded ideas. Speaking of your generation, (laughs) Uh, they want to live in fear. But Saskia, you're of that generation. You're one of my closest friends. How did you turn out so open-minded? Psychologists speak of something called reaction formation. It could be, I'm, I'm guessing I really don't know the answer to this question. It could be that I saw a lot around me that was closed-minded. And I reacted against that. I did not want to be like that. So as a reaction formation to what I did not like, I became the opposite. Yes. That's one possible explanation, if you will. But again, when I think about it, I loved some people very deeply in my childhood who were old people to me, but they were open-minded. There were only two of them, I'd say, but they were very, very open-minded and went against the norm and saw things clearly as far as I was concerned, but differently from others. And I loved them so much that I think I wanted to be of their mind. Those are the role models I took for my behavior. Okay. I don't know. Or maybe I was just born rebellious and not wanting to do things the way they were being done Mm -hmm. around me. I I don't know. Or you're born open-minded. Yeah. Well, you know, I believe we're all born open-minded. That's a good point. Yeah. I believe we're taught to be prejudiced or bigoted. That's a good point. I mean, I think we're all born open-minded. We hope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, the licking you heard before was not me and Saskia. That was Jake. That was one of my dogs. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, back to the idea of parents or those who trigger us or frustrate us. At the end of the day, we have to remember, even if we're in a bad way with them and having a bad moment, we chose them in our soul contracts. And, you know, I've heard it said that those people know how to push our buttons because they're the ones that put the buttons there. Yes. They yep. place them. So if they're pushing our buttons, it's just something we have to deal with. It's something we have to deal with and not let it trigger us. Yeah. 
But, you know, there's been moments where I'm like, I chose this person <laughs> in my life. And, what you know, no, I, what was wrong? But I did. And we all did. So that's something I think that helps. Also, we were talking about in this conversation what these tough relationships sometimes, what they give to us and what is the lesson and specifically with the parental relationship. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. do you think are the lessons you've received from your parents? And I just want to say that, you know, your parents passed away a while ago. So you've had time to really reflect on this. So I'm, I'm dying yeah. to hear what you have to say. Well, actually, my mother passed away only seven years ago, but my father died when I was 32. Okay. So that's a long, well, that's long a while time ago. ago. Yeah. When I reflect back on my upbringing, which was very pleasant in many, many ways and not very pleasant in yeah. many other ways, <clears throat> I realized that I got from my parents a love of learning, of culture, of foods from different countries. I got a real joie de vivre from my father and a joy real, of life, a, a way of a joy, joy of joy, joy of life. living or joy of life, yeah. And my, from my mother, I got a very deep sense of responsibility, what it means to be responsible, and where you have to show up and be responsible. Yeah. So I think I got some lovely traits that served me well over time. Yeah. And that I've enjoyed having, but at the time. I didn't see all of this, you know, I was a kid who wanted certain things a certain way and yep. that was not going to happen yep. in that household. Yep. So it's always in hindsight, in retrospect, mm -hmm. that you can look back and say, these are valuable aspects and qualities that I got from my They're parents. They're gifts. They're gifts. Yeah. They're gifts. I, for me, and my parents are still alive, I would say stability and grounding because in my past lives I can tell you I had no stability none mm -hmm. and now in this life I've had a lot of stability in the sense my parents have you know when they were working and they're retired now they always had the same position we always lived in the same house I finally moved when I went to college so they were very stable in that way and they mm -hmm. gave me that gift you know I wasn't raised as an army brat where yeah. I was moving around every two years or something like that. So that was a gift. Yeah. And also being grounded. I know if I wasn't in this family, I would have my head in the clouds. Mm -hmm. I think I have that tendency. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you, I have a really good friend from childhood who's brilliant, so smart, brilliant artist, but she could just never get her business off the ground. Not because she's not amazing. It's just she's so up in the air. She's yeah. so flighty that it's, it's really hard, you know, taking a business call is really hard for her. And, and I understand that, that's fine. She, by the way, she's doing phenomenally now. Mm -hmm. But I know if I was put into her family, I would have, and not in a negative way, but I would have, you know, turned out maybe to be a little too flighty to do what I wanted to do in this lifetime. So, you know, when you come on and you have to do a podcast every week, you have to be responsible. Yeah. You know? It has to be, it has to be weekly. You yeah, it has to be weekly. It has to be yeah. responsible. I mean, I have been doing this since uh, the first ever podcast. I think it was March 2020. And we're in June 2021. I've not missed one week. 
Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. Where's some wood? Mm-hmm. Hold on. You're going to hear me knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. And if I have to, I have to. But the whole point is you have to be very grounded to do that. And I remember this friend, I would go to her house. When I was telling you this, I would watch MTV. Yeah. And I was so yeah. jealous. She had a big TV in her room. You guys, this was the 80s to the 90s. <laughs> so she had a big TV in her room and I'd watch MTV and I wasn't allowed to watch soap operas and I could watch soap operas there. And it was just such a wild, do whatever you want household, literally. Yeah. But at the same time, her father was changing jobs every year or two. And mm. so, you know, I guess I needed in this lifetime that stability where she maybe didn't. And I can see in your pattern that the man you chose to marry yeah. is Mr. Grounded. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Stable, Mr. Reliable, as, yeah. on top of being cute. But yeah. he's really rock solid. Yeah. So you continued that aspect of what you needed and found yeah. in him. I did. There is something in me where I need that grounding or I just, I'll go off the rails, yeah. Saskia. It'll be Jennifer off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> so if we have these people in our lives who trigger us, you know, I can say remember empathy in the moment, but I think maybe compassion is better. Yeah. Do you like that word better? I think it's Kindness. more appropriate. Just be kind. Yeah. Just be kind. Just be kind. So those three, can you give me those three questions one more time? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Words to live by. We can end right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, if we could really live by those words, we would do no harm ever. No, imagine the world. Yeah. Imagine the world. I was on Clubhouse today and her name's Florence. I didn't get the last name, but I was in a room with her. It's actually, if anyone wants to join us, it's the Genius Factory. It's an amazing room. Her brother runs it, Robin. And she has as her tagline, compassion is my jam. Oh, lovely. Isn't that great? That's lovely. I, I just, I love that so much. So yeah. compassion, every time you're, you know, you're in a moment, you're being triggered, just remember, not me, Florence says, yeah. <laughs> compassion is my jam. I absolutely love that. So I think, you know, when you're in a moment, because we're not talking about these situations where we have really just a lot of time to think. We're talking about we're in the moment. Mm-hmm. So when you're in a moment, just, you know, have awareness. Right. Have, take, a, take a beat. And there's so many instances for that, right? Take a beat. Take a second. Think about your response. Think about Saskia's mom. Something I wanted to add about your mom is that was very metaphysical to me because we had discussed that she, maybe her reality was she was in a different plane. Right. She was maybe starting to go onto the astral plane where her mother was there. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So that may have been actually her authenticity and her Mm -hmm. reality. So she was half in between. And then when she obviously passed over, then she was fully as we'll all be that's right so that's something to remember too so maybe it is good to quote unquote humor the person in front of you right now maybe they live in fear and they want to stay that way you know there's that and nothing i will say will change because at the end of the day it's it's not about changing their behavior it's about our response to it Mm -hmm. right it's about Mm -hmm. our response to it so i also wanted to add that Maybe incorporating humor somehow if it's appropriate. Not humoring someone, but just being funny if it's appropriate. If it's appropriate. If it's appropriate, maybe you can make a small joke or make a small joke in your head, not say it out loud, Mm -hmm. if that diffuses the situation for you. 
So being authentic is being authentic in the moment by your word, discerning. You love that word. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. You do. By discerning the situation and holding space and empathy for that person, right? Yeah. And that will keep the peace. Yes. And you can maintain your own authenticity by doing that. Yes. You don't have to lie. You just have to not speak harmfully yes is it true is Is it it necessary necessary? is Is it it kind remember to check out saskia's book and website at thekeynotecoach.com and tune into two minutes off the ground where i'm continuing this topic with daily two minute messages from source and until next time live Live your your life life two two inches. inches off the the ground. ground yes thank you saskia for coming thank you so much